Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Mark Moskowitz. He's a speaker, author, and coach helping executives build systems to make their business life more efficient and their personal life more fulfilling. He served 28 months in federal prison for stealing money from a hedge fund that he managed, and now he is using the lessons he learned from his time there to help others find success, happiness within themselves. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Amy, for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah. Can you share with us your story and how you became a coach and what you learned from your experience? I'd be happy to. Sure. I grew up in a very interesting home, financially quite stable and thriving, but emotionally filled with a good chunk of neglect. You know, my father worked very hard. He was in finance on Wall Street and my mother was a mother for three children and was kind of out and about a lot. And and as the third of the three children, I kind of found myself home alone quite a bit. You know, growing up from the outside might have looked like a very idyllic home, you know, private schools and country clubs. Inside was really a lonely life for me. And that ultimately manifested in every decision I made as I grew up and as I got older, because I was not living my life for me. I was living my life to please others, to try to find those relationships that I struggled so mightily with as I was a kid growing up. So a perfect example of that is I followed my father into finance and my father was a great golfer. So I chose to play golf because I kind of associated that if I wanted to have a relationship with him, you know, I would need to become a golfer. And I was really the only one of the three children who, who took both of those paths. Ultimately, the decisions I ended up making were based a lot on trying to find love from my father. And then when it was time to get married, I ended up marrying a woman who was, let's say, similar to my mother in, I I don't like to speak badly, but let's just say lack of affection, you know, lack of sort of that. So I was trying to heal that relationship with my mother through a surrogate. I mean, I went through therapy, but I never learned any of this therapy until I actually found myself in federal prison. So my career in finance was a good career for the most part. But as I reached into my late 30s, early 40s and was finding more success I was also finding a lot more emptiness in my life. This feeling of, is this all there is? You know, wow, I thought that the financial road was the road paved with happiness and joy. And I found that it really wasn't. You know, I think that led to some depression and anxiety and certainly feelings of loneliness and and sadness. Ultimately, we rise to the level of our self-esteem, which is another lesson we'll talk about that I learned in in prison. And that is we rise to the levels of our self-esteem when we don't feel good about ourselves, we'll do what we can to sabotage the things that we have. And I believe ultimately that's what happened to me. So in walking through your journey, what are you grateful for? Boy, gratitude has been the thing that really lifted me out. When I first got into prison, which was in September of 2017, I was really hoping that there would have these wonderful programs to help you rehabilitate. And unfortunately, that is not what the system is about. I really found myself on my own, not really knowing where to turn and being someone who had always been chasing sort of that personal development growth curve in the 90s, you know, following Tony Robbins and personal power and Jim Rohn and Wayne Dyer. I had heard all the lessons they taught, but I never integrated them into my life. But I do recall one of the most important lessons that they all had in common was talking about gratitude. I figured, okay, let's start there at gratitude. I ended up doing these gratitude walks every day around the prison grounds for about an hour. I would just say anything I could think about to be grateful for. And it's quite difficult. You know, when you're in prison, it's hard to be grateful for anything. 
when you're removed from your family and you've already hurt those relationships, it's really hard to be grateful. But I just found anything I could be grateful for, whether it was just trees and oxygen, the fact that my body could actually walk and have the ability to be mobile, the fact that I had a place to sleep and that I could have a meal and like just really rudimentary basic things. But what ended up happening over time was I went from a person who was looking for gratitude to someone who was being grateful and living gratitude. I'm literally grateful for everything. And I have learned one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from this is that you can even be grateful for what appears to be the tough times in life, because who would ever think going to prison would be a transformative experience? I certainly never would have thought that. And for me, it really saved me. The solitude saved me. So now I know like when I'm sitting in traffic or wherever I am, that might initially feel like I know that there's something more important than there is for that. So, I mean, I'm really grateful for existing, for being alive, for being able to meet great people like yourself and be able to do these podcasts. And I'm grateful for my family and I'm grateful for everything I have in my life. And I should, I guess, discuss this, that being a felon is no easy thing in this country. We talk about being giving people second chances, but it's really difficult. And a lot of people do, I think, you know, 70 million people have some sort of record. It's a tough world. It's hard to find a job and it's hard to date because people look at your Google profile and it doesn't look so good. So (laughs) these things are all very difficult. You know, what might normally be easy is very difficult. But every day I wake up filled with gratitude. And, you know, I look now at what look like huge obstacles in the past to me. They're just things that I have to go around or go over and figure a way through them. They're small. They're not, you know, came, I had a really good job, actually working in a really good job. I came and that wiped the job out and I applied to over 170 different jobs and I didn't find anything until finally I found a job recently. But that's a lot of time to be unemployed and that's a lot of time to have to think and maybe go down those rabbit holes, which aren't so great to go down. But I'm really happy to say that every day I felt great and every day I woke up feeling grateful And every day I counted my blessings. So what's been your intention in building your coaching business? The intention really is to teach a lot of the lessons that I learned, unfortunately, through my experience, but also because I did have a successful career, I think I can meld the two of them together. And I know that for me, as my life was spiraling downward, I really don't think it was like this huge thing that I could not have fixed at some point. But I just wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't ready. All the things that had made me successful leading up to those moments, leading up to those couple of years where I really, you know, I had 26 good years and two bad ones. So think of it in that terminology. And I was just ill-prepared. What I like to do in my coaching is I like to get people to really get to the emotional side of maybe what's holding them back. Like, why aren't you following through? Because it's not hard to follow through on things. We have a to-do list. So we need to just get through those. And if we're not getting through them on a consistent basis, we need to look at those emotional blocks in there. So I like to get people to discuss that, people to talk about it. And, you know, part of the thing that I really tend to feel is that we have our own self-worth, our own self-image, confidence, esteem. Our self-esteem, our self-worth tends to act as a governor to our success. As we're speeding along, doing great, all of a sudden we're like, wait, we don't really deserve all of this. Like, we don't believe that we're worth all of this. We end up sabotaging and coming back again. My social life wasn't great. My marriage was not good. I try to get people to talk through these things, get them to put systems in there in place so they can be more efficient in the office. Because I find people end up wasting time in the office. You know, they might be there for eight hours, but they're really not putting in eight hours worth of work. 
So I help them to put systems in place so they can be more efficient. And then they have time to be with their family. They have time to pursue passions that really drive them and motivate them. Not everyone's an entrepreneur and is going out on their own. Some people work for big companies and I worked for a big company and that could be very draining. So having something outside of your work life that maybe you're spending an hour a day on writing a book or painting art or doing something athletic, you know, something that you're really passionate about, that can also like when you're doing those things, that's fun. That's like a great reason to get your day going and and keep moving forward. So I grew up as a golfer, as I was saying, and I became a professional golfer for a year. When I was really hitting the skids, I gave up golf. I threw my whole life into my kids. I drove them to hockey practice. I did all the things that I thought a father was supposed to do because my father did not do that. So when we build the systems for efficient business, that gives us more time to be better on the outside, outside of the office world as well. So that's my main focus in coaching. I love that, especially the doing sort of the hobbies on the side, because that's one thing that, you know, I have fought a lot with being a workaholic. And that's the one thing that I learned to kind of get myself off that gerber wheel. At first I was like, why would I create a painting? It's not going to produce anything, right? But when I force myself just to do it for fun, mm-hmm. then it gets me off that gerbil wheel. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, I have a client who, you know, she works really hard. She's a lawyer in Manhattan. She works really hard. And we were talking about it. And she's like, you know, I love flowers. And, you know, but she lives in New York City. So now every Sunday she goes and she buys flowers and she makes flower arrangements for a couple of hours. And it just gives her this really fresh sense. Everything doesn't have to be with this huge end goal in mind. It could just be in that moment, you're just happy and you're painting or you're cooking or you're arranging flowers. And that just kind of fuels you for the rest of the week. And it's just nice, refreshing thing to do. Yeah, definitely. So what has been the most important key to happiness that you've discovered? The most important key to happiness for me is is understanding that it's really being who I am. It's being open to being authentic. I know that's a word that's used a lot, but it's really a great word because it is so true. As I was going through my people-pleasing ways and trying to fit into other people's definition of who Mark Moskowitz is, now being able to really be who I am, to really be honest and open about things. And I write on LinkedIn every day about my life and experiences and good and bad. The lessons of prison really taught me that all of our energy and all of our strength and all of our power come from within us. Like we don't need to look to the external world for validation. And we don't need to look to the external world for joy and excitement. And I know that material items are fun and great, and there's nothing wrong with working hard towards that. So I always like to phrase that because I caution that I'm not trying to say like, you know, be a monk and just meditate all day long. You know, we live in the real world and it's great having a fast car and a nice house, but Doing it for the right reasons, I guess, is the best way to put it. Once you feel secure about who you are, once you're willing to share who you are with the world, either in the dating world or in the workplace world, I'm getting judged just about on a daily basis. So to be able to take that judgment and realize that that's their problem, that's not has nothing to do with me. That is their issue. I know I'm a good person. I feel good inside. And I know I made huge mistakes and I know why I made those mistakes. And I'm doing my best to atone for those and make up for those. But I just know how good I feel inside about me. And I take responsibility for everything. It's just this level of happiness that it feels like enlightenment to me. I don't really want to say that because I don't think I am, but it just feels that way. It feels light. It feels fun. Like nothing feels like drudgery. Nothing feels 
like misery to me. Everything I do is just, I go through the day joyful and happy. I'm getting back to my passions again. I'm playing some more golf. I'm exercising and running and doing all the things I enjoy doing. I'm seeing my kids and life is just really good and happy. I like that as well, especially learning who you are and finding your value just in who you are. And that self-love is so important. I think that's something that I had to learn the hard way as well. Like I used to wear all of my achievements on my arms, basically, but not really, but I would collect all the proof of all the things that I did because I felt like that was somehow my value. Fast forward now, I threw all that stuff away. You know, I used to have binders and, you know, awards or whatever it may be, but it's like when you get, you know, that self-love, you no longer need the external stuff. It's this nice place to be. I know I keep the lessons that I keep learning, like I learned this lesson again, it just through all of my introspection and meditations and writings and readings and everything in prison is that you can try like you want to control other people, but you can't. It's you're wasting energy. If you go out and you meet somebody and they're list accomplishments, you know that inside they're feeling hollow about things because they're feeling they need to impress you somehow. Look, I have accomplishments. We all do. It's great. It's fun to flout them and, and talk about them, but it's different talking about them as opposed to showing them off. You know, yeah. so again, trying not to control other people is also very freeing. I mean, I'm 53 years old. I'm not trying to change people who are my age. They're pretty well set in their ways. I'm trying to help them change themselves. They need to be willing to come to the table and want to change themselves. But when you own your own power, when you take responsibility for everything in your life, good, bad, or indifferent, and when you feel good and confident about who you are, you just walk on cloud nine all the time. Yeah, it's true. So why do you think that you used to want to chase money and how do you view money now? I think that those material possessions were what I was chasing to feel whole. I thought that was what would help me feel complete having the house. And and again, growing up in a certain way and living that same lifestyle, you know, I thought was the way to happiness because that's all I really knew. Look, to me, my relationship with money right now is wonderful. There's nothing wrong with having money. It's great. It's wonderful to go out for a nice dinner and enjoy. It's nice to be able to walk into a store and buy what you like without having to really worry about the price tags too much. But it's also nice to know that I'm doing it for me and I'm not doing it for anybody else. It is that concept of owning who you are as a person and why you're purchasing this item. I remember I had an investor. This guy was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And he drove around in a 20-year-old Mercedes and he drove around and he walked around in clothes that he'd owned for 30 years and he had a mortgage of a house. He was kind of like a Warren Buffett, I guess, a little bit, but you know, same kind of house that he lived in for 40 years with no mortgage. But that's who he was. That's what he cared about. He didn't need all that other stuff. So here's a man who could have bought and sold you know, a lot of people over and over again, but that wasn't who he was. So he was being true to himself. So feel free to go out and buy the Ferrari if that's what you want, if that's what you've earned and and that's a symbol of your value. But doing it because you want to speed down the street and impress all your neighbors, that's where it borders on, you know, are we doing some of these things for the right reason? Like I said, I'm all in favor of the fun things that money can buy you. And I think that what we get paid is our value to someone else. The value from the universe is is what our income is. Having a healthy income is the same thing as having healthy self-esteem. Again, it's nice when you're doing it with something you love and something you're passionate about and, and something that you feel like you're helping the world also. I think in finance on Wall Street, you tend to feel like really like, why am I doing 
in this. I'm making rich people richer or, you know, like what is really the end game? There are things about finance, which are very important. And there are companies who wouldn't be like an Amazon wouldn't be Amazon without the world of finance. And they employ hundreds of thousands of people. But my relationship with money right now is as healthy as it's ever been. And I feel great about where I am. And, and I want to help people not only just earn the money that they have, but use it correctly. Like you're the master of money. Don't make money your master, I guess is a good way to sum up all of what I've been saying. So if there's someone that's listening that is struggling with inner confidence and self-love, what are some of the ways that you've been able to develop those traits? Do you have any tips? You know, I'm a big person who believes in systems and also starting small. You know, we can't take on too much, right? We can't climb Mount Everest if we've never climbed a mountain before. So developing a system starts with a starting point and an ending point, which would be your goal. So A to Z, but in the middle, there has to be a system in place that you can follow. So you know, if you're moving in the right direction or not, there is so much power in consistency because when we start to consistently perform even a small task, it gives us more confidence. I started a challenge and I had 18 people who were in this challenge for the month of November. So it's ending tomorrow. And it was called the not so challenging challenge. And basically we had five things that you needed to do every day. You needed to drink a glass of lemon water. You needed to start the day with 20 grams of protein. You needed to write down two things you're grateful for. You needed to write down two goals that you wanted to achieve in 2022. And you needed to watch a video that I did, which is on my YouTube channel, which you can go watch the videos if you like. So five simple things probably took 20 minutes to do, but it's in that repetition that we start to build the confidence. And, you know, we always talk about this time of year about resolutions and how by January 15th, everyone's blowing up their resolutions. It's because we're just jumping into the deep end without knowing how to swim. We have to start building the habits. We have to start getting rid of the negative habits and replacing them with good positive habits. One of the videos I discussed in the challenge was about neuroplasticity and how our brains are plastic and how we can mold our brains by the habits and how we think. But also those negative habits that are in there are always going to be in there. So that's why someone can quit smoking for five years and come back to it after a while. This is not easy. And you really have to be committed. So if there's also, if there's somebody out there that can relate somewhat with your story, maybe they haven't gone to prison, maybe things haven't gotten that far, but they kind of feel like and identify with where you were at you know, in your before state, what advice would you give to them? You know, that's a really great question because it brings up a lot of memories about where I was prior to really doing anything wrong. And where I found myself was in a place where I didn't, I didn't have trust in myself and therefore I didn't trust other people and I couldn't communicate what was going on. You know, I couldn't communicate that business was struggling to my wife and, or to my parents or to anybody. It was very lonely, lonely world. I don't believe that most people are destined to go to prison if they're feeling lonely or if they're making mistakes. It happens kind of by accident for me. Like I didn't realize it was going to get as bad as it did. So I think if you're in a state where you're struggling a bit, you need to have someone that you can confide in, someone that you can talk to, and that can help you and give you some good advice. I often tell you that I had hundreds of friends and I didn't have one person that I really felt I could trust in to talk to. And now I have a lot of people that I feel that I can really open up to. And that's because for the most part, that's because I broke down the walls of myself. When I worked on myself, everything else became better. So if you're sitting out there and you're listening to this and you're feeling 
some desperation or some anxiety or depression, you don't know really where to turn. You know, sometimes you just have to find one person that you can talk to. I've never had a substance abuse problem, but I happen to think that's why like AA can be so successful because there are these places where people can air out and talk and other people who've been through the ringer. So, you know, being able to trust in someone and that you can tell your secrets to and tell your darkest things is a very powerful thing. So I would really say that that is like number one is be able to communicate with somebody. And if it's your spouse or your significant other, that's the best of all. But sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard. If your relationship hasn't been good for a while, it's hard to go back to that person and really feel like you can open up to them and be vulnerable. And you have to get to that point where you can do that. I'm a believer in therapy. I think it can work, but you have to also be willing to be honest with your therapist too. (laughs) (laughs) And they shade the truth, right? (laughs) You know, And that's not doing anybody any good. One of the things about prison, which is really handy, is that there's no cell phones and that there's really time to think. That's what being out of society is really about. So take some time every day. Take a little bit of time, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour if you can spare that time. And think about how your life is going. Be conscious of where your life is going. I think I lied to myself more than I lied to other people. I was like, oh, you can fix this, Mark. You used to make a lot of money. You know how to do it, you know. Instead of just being honest about it, I was lying to myself. So that's really the worst person you can lie to because then you're going to really go down the rabbit hole. So be honest with yourself, be introspective, be willing to sit around and think about your life and the direction that it's going. And then them help you because they'll be able to see things that you can't see from looking outside. We all have blind spots because we all want to see things in a certain way. So I think those are really the two most important steps to at least getting to the start line of getting healthier again. So you're working on a book right now. Can you share a little bit about that and how it can possibly help others? So there was a time in prison when I really knew that I was sent there more than just to be punished for committing a crime. And I knew that the lessons I had started to learn there were designed for me to help others. I didn't know if I was going to write a book. I didn't really know how to do it. But the book has just kind of come about because it's something that I think it's great to have it in writing. I've been working on this book now since uh, June of the 21. And it's going to be published in April of 22. The title of the book is called Within, How I Found My Happy and Authentic Self in Federal Prison. The book really chronicles the 28 months that I was there and talks about, starts with gratitude and talks about self-esteem and taking responsibility and learning to accept all in detail how I got to those lessons. You know, my faith in the universe is very strong because I never could have come up with the lessons on my own, took some level of divine intervention for each thing to happen. And I do believe that there's a plan and a purpose for all of us. This book will help by detailing the stories of how I rehabilitated myself in prison. And as we were alluding to in that last segment, for people who are feeling like they're running in the wrong direction right now, how they can start to get their life back on track before it has to lead to the worst things that happen, right? People often will only seek help once they've hit the bottom. So this book is really designed to help people who are maybe just starting to feel inklings of loneliness or unfulfillment where they could hit the brakes before anything bad really happens. So what do you think your truth has been that's gotten you this far in your journey? The truth is for sure just is self-esteem. Your self-image is everything, how you perceive who you are as a person and being willing to let people 
be on their own path and have them, you know, you be willing to accept who they are as someone and hopefully they can accept who you are as, as your person. Those lessons have really freed me up to, I think, be the best version of myself, as we've discussed quite a bit. In helping people, you know, I help myself too. You know, in talking to other people about what they're going through, it helps to reinforce the lessons that I've learned. You know, and just being out there and being exposed and writing, I'm really enjoying the writing process. I was never such a great writer. My editor says that technically I'm a terrible writer, but I'm a great storyteller. <laughs> so I guess, you know, that's a good thing. It's better than, than being the other way around because we can always spruce up the uh, editing. But I guess my fifth grade English teacher wouldn't like to hear that. But, you know, so just basically living my truth, living who I am, owning the fact that I did something bad and being upfront and being honest with it with people that I meet. And it's a wonderful way to live. It really is. It's uh, no secrets. So secrets really tear at your gut, you know, subconsciously speaking. Don't be afraid to be open and honest with people. It's the only way to have a relationship, really. Yeah. So if you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? It's a good question. Uh, <laughs> one I have to give a little bit of thought to. I would say, again, don't be afraid to be you, right? Put it out there and have fun with it, right? I guess really that's probably the better lesson is really enjoy it. Have fun. You know, like I love writing now and I write almost every single day. I think what's an interesting writing style in terms of that I just use the things that happen to me every day. And then I intertwine the lessons that I've learned from things in the past. Like, for example, the other day I got pulled over. I was uh, got pulled over like four o'clock in the morning. I was going to the gym and I got pulled over. And usually you'd feel like that little gnaw in your gut when you see the red lights behind you. But I was like, I didn't feel that at all. And it was this really interesting feeling to not feel that, you know, and because I knew I hadn't done anything wrong. I knew I wasn't speeding. It turned out I had a taillight that was out and just wanted me to get it fixed. So it was really nothing. But it's like, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, what did I do? Am I like, I would have been coming up with all these different kinds of stories in my head, like oh, I'm rushing to get to the hospital or you know, whatever it is. So it's nice to have a clear conscience. But then again, so I wrote about that. I posted up on LinkedIn. I got a nice bunch of views and it started an interesting conversation. So be authentic and be raw and be who you are, but also have fun with it. You know, really have fun, like enjoy the process. If you're not really enjoying it, if you're not just like waking up every day, excited to be doing what you're doing, you know, then rethink about what you're doing. It should be fun. This is the life we're given right now. And we should really go through every moment. Every second is precious. And that's another thing you really learn when you're in prison. When your time is being taken away from you, you really learn to value your moments and your time. I wrote a piece the other day called The Power of No, which is true. You know, being able to say no to things that don't support you. Don't waste your time with things that don't move you in the direction that you want to get going. We only have X number of hours every day to use, 24 hours a day. So I'd say those are all the lessons that I would tell myself starting over the journey again. So if there's someone that's listening and they would love to get a hold of you to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? Find me on LinkedIn. Mark Moskowitz uh, is the best place. I'm there all the time. I'm always checking my DMs. Start commenting on my posts. I'll definitely reach out to you back then. And I have a website, markjmoskowitz.com. I'm on Instagram, Mark J. Moskowitz, but uh, really LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach out. Perfect. And I'll put all those links down below as well as your book that you're working on. So people Great, can check that you. out. Thank you, Mark, for coming on today and sharing your journey. Amy, thank you so much again for having me. It's really been fun. Yeah, definitely. And if you're listening and you want more information about A Call to Thrive, you can visit acalltothrive.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful week.